Minutes from Latvia with Mike Collier. Well, welcome back to the Minutes from Latvia podcast. My name is Mike Collier and this is brought to you by Latvian Public Media. It's a glorious sunny day here in Riga, I'm delighted to say. We've managed to successfully negotiate uh, Jani, the Midsummer Festival, and we've got a very appropriate guest in a way because uh, it could be argued that maybe Latvians are natural astronomers in that on Jani night the entire country goes out, watches the skies and waits for the sun to appear. Um, so it's appropriate that I have someone of a cosmological bent in the pod with me mm -hmm. today, Amara Graps, who, and I want to get your actual job title correct. I mean, it's not astronomer, it's... Planetary scientist. Planetary scientist, which I suppose is a kind of very specific area of astronomy. Of astronomy. Mm -hmm. uh, did you have a good yarny? Yes, I did. Very low key. I didn't stay up all night looking for the elusive flower. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's interesting. Everyone else is looking up in the sky, and you're looking down, doing, acting the botanist. <laughs> in fact, it's a bit of a busman's yeah. holiday for you to be looking at the skies, I guess. Right. But in in another way, it's also quite a good uh, or fortunate week to have you here in the pod, ready for launch. Uh, in that we have Latvia in space, and I feel that I should say that in the old pigs in space way, sort of Latvia in space, uh, in that we had a satellite launch which has been long, very long time uh, awaited and seems to have happened. I wondered if you could, uh, with your superior technical knowledge, tell us exactly what happened. Yeah, Venta One satellite was launched on on the 23rd of June, and this satellite has been uh, planned and prepared f for 10 years. It started in 2007 uh, by the initiative of four Ventspils um, space enthusiasts, professors, engineers, and they approached the Ministry of Education and Science to fund this satellite, and the agreement was that the ministry would give uh, 300,000 euros for the construction of this satellite, no money for salaries, just for the parts. And this money would be given in four to five installments at the end of every budget cycle. So given this was 2007, uh, in 2008-9, there was the economic crash um, in Latvia, and the money didn't come. So there was a delay there. Then the money started coming again, and the satellite was finished between 2010-2011. Then it's ready for launch. Well, it still needs a frequency license. For, uh, for that purpose, it still took two years. And then it needed a launch, which is difficult for its six-kilogram body. It's not a CubeSat. Six-kilogram satellite is expensive to launch. That's very heavy, isn't it? Yes. I mean, that's much heavier than I imagined from just seeing the pictures. Right, right. Uh, so this uh, was first going to be launched in India. Then it shifted to Russia, where it would be cheaper. There's colleagues there that could launch it cheaper. Then the Crimea crisis happened, mm -hmm. <laughs> the occupation, and it shifted back to India. And that's where it was launched from finally. So... So even though it's dated and it's not a CubeSat, which are cheaper, there's still usable technology, especially for educational purposes on, on this satellite. What exactly does it do then? What is the purpose of it? Well, there is a tracker for ships um, that will be tested. And this is a little bit dated technology. That's one of, one of its purposes. Then the rest could be 
considered educational and that there's digital onboard processing that needs to happen and the students will learn how to do that. And they'll learn how to get the data down and how to communicate with the satellite. And so all of well, these other what, like purposes... atmospheric data or something? Or, or... No, uh, it's communication data, not atmospheric okay. data. So the purpose of this is actually mostly educational. And then this one tracking... A device for ships, for, for tracking ships in, in the sea. I'm not sure which sea, Baltic, I assume, but it could be others. So that's, that's what Maybe I know. the Indians yeah. have reprogrammed it to be the Indian Ocean. <laughs> right, right, yeah. But, um, I mean, if it was been a 10-year, at least 10-year long project, is it not sort of obsolete? Because if you imagine the computer you have 10 years ago, although I must admit I'm getting pretty close to that on my one, everyone says it's obsolete and I should change it. I mean, is, was it still worth the launch? I mean, I guess there's the historic uh, value of saying we've actually put something up there. There is a historic value. And, and as, as, I, as I said, I think that this digital onboard processing and this communication with it as an education for the students is still um, very valuable. So, so the Vince Pills University College is going to get a lot of benefit from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does seem remarkable as well that uh, from what you've said, this is essentially kind of a voluntary project with people, well, they're doing it in their spare time, presumably if they're full-time academics as well, not being paid a salary for it. I mean, that's the sort of thing that we do... I mean, there's a bit of a pattern there for people with passions in Latvia who will kind of go that extra mile just to say that, you know, Latvia's done it type thing. I mean, but for 10 years, that's a huge commitment, isn't it? I mean, I hope these guys have got some sort of recognition for it. Right. I call it the donating free time approach for launching a body into space. Latvia has has two approaches. If we talk to this, the rocket launch. Well, that's what we're getting on to. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) actually, I got to say the first time that I met Amara was at, I mean, it sounds very exciting, doesn't it? Was at a rocket launch (laughs) uh, just outside Cesis where there was mission control in a, a, a tent. Uh, the, the rocket itself was about the size of a baseball bat. Would it be fair to say that? Right. Um, and it moved about as fast. No, it was a, it was, it was a successful test. Uh, the, the object being to kind of go into space with something launched from Latvia next year. Um, could you give us a little background on that project as well? Right, yeah, I, I call that the, you know how there's citizen science, so this LMT-supported rocket launch I, I call um, citizen business, you know, be, be, because here's another example of Latvians truly wanting to go into space, and they don't have the kind of infrastructure in their a usual research environment to build such a device. And so they figure out how to do it um, out of, it's a thinking out of the box yeah. way. So, so like, like the Venta one uh, donating your free time. So, so donating um, your time to get into space. Here we have uh, businesses who have decided that this centenary celebration for our 100 year birthday is is a perfect reason to get a, a rocket launch. And and if you can aim for 100 kilometers, and it matches really nicely the 100-year <laughs> birthday, but 100 kilometers is really hard. Yeah. And so... so uh, well, particularly uh, when yeah. the test we saw managed two about kilometers. 200 meters. <laughs> it was, I think oh, it was two kilometers. Oh, it was two kilometers, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it was... I mean, again, it's a typically Latvian thing. It's quite easy to depict this as a sort of... Uh, uh, almost a sort of soapbox derby type thing. But, I mean, there was an element of that. But it's also people taking it seriously, doing the, 
best and actually quite impressive things with really tiny resources and showing that it is, as you say, possible to think out of the box or, uh, you know, do things without huge corporate funding. I mean, this was kind of some corporate funding, but it was by mm-hmm. no means, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, some huge agency behind it or anything. Well, there, there are two sides of the spectrum. So there's this six kilogram Venta One uh, that's that's now in orbit is is a, a representation of Latvia's struggles. It's an imprint of Latvia's last 10 years mm. in space to get into space. And and now this rocket is is an imprint of Latvia's will to get into space another way, just in case they don't have anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we've sort of skipped over your background, which is mm-hmm. uh, quite interesting. I wonder if you could just tell us how you developed your interest in space, uh, you know, what sort of education you went through. And uh, I think it's quite an interesting family history there too. In that my father's Latvian, right? Yes. Yeah, so why am I in Latvia? And I believe he <laughs> has a planetary body named after him, does he not? My my cousin Gunnar Grops. Ah, that's your cousin. Yeah, yeah, he's he's uh he brought rock and roll music to Estonia, so he's <laughs> he's very well um beloved in that country. And and I understand in the Soviet Union in the USSR he brought rock and roll there. He was one of the premier musicians at that time. So all right, um, how I got into this field? Well, I started young. I'm, I'm not young now. Uh, I started with an invitation from an asteroid scientist who needed help at Palomar Observatory to search for asteroids. I was 19. And this led to a job offer at JPL to help them prepare for the Voyager missions. The JPL being? Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Okay. Yeah, sorry for the acronym. So, so um, I, I was living in Southern California at the time. I was, I, I was born in Honolulu, actually. So my family are... Nice, clear skies. <laughs> yeah. And my family are all in, in California, which is also nice, clear skies. So, so I've had to adjust to cloudy skies a bit uh, <laughs> since I moved here. So, so the jobs drove my education rather than the other way around. So starting from age 19, um, one job led to another job led to another job um, because I, I'm a good networker and, and you can um, expand your colleagues uh, in this way until you have colleagues everywhere. So when I moved to Latvia, I took with me a NASA grant uh, with the support of my Arizona uh, scientific institute that does not care where in the world I live. And I have dual citizenship, U.S. and Latvian, because my father was born in Riga. Mm-hmm. So so this allows me to apply for grants in the United States as well as apply for grants in Europe because I also have affiliation at the University of Latvia. So the way to survive if you're a soft money scientist is to have a lot of affiliations and you just keep applying for funding everywhere, which means you have three to four times the number of grant proposals to write. Well, it sounds yeah. like, you know, your contact book alone is going to be worth a fortune as far as uh, Latvian astronomy is concerned. I mean, you have these... I have network. very good contacts. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And when, being here, you've set up uh, Baltics in Space. Right, yeah. Baltics in Space is a nonprofit that supports... Um, some of the education on my side of of the Baltic environment. And what I mean by that is that I've learned a lot of lessons about um, what uh, what exists in the academic environment and what I think should be better and what I would like to see 
done better. For example, um, these kinds of collaborations with international scientists everywhere, we can do much better in that. And it was difficult at the University of Latvia to do all that I needed. I still am there. I'm still doing collaborations, but I can do more a little bit outside. And that's that's why I, I started Baltics in Space. Plus, our Baltic region, so not only Latvia, but Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia, also um, um, needs to advertise more of their skill sets. And that's another purpose of Baltics in Space is to uh, somewhat catalog and explain and show what we have here because there is definitely an interest from the other uh, European and international community of what goes on in space here. And so here we can show them what we're doing. Okay, and we'll speak a little bit more about that after this uh, brief word, and we'll be hearing about a forthcoming conference which you're helping to organize, which sounds like it'll be very interesting in September, right. I think. Minutes from Latvia with Mike Collier. Well, welcome back to the Minutes from Latvia podcast from a delightfully sunny Riga with me, Mike Collier. We're in the second half of the year. The nights are drawing in. Um, But we've still got quite a lot of summer to go. My guest in the pod, it's a kind of capsule-sized pod uh, this week, is Amada Graps, a planetary scientist. And we were talking in the first half about uh, Latvia's uh, reaching for the stars uh, in several different ways. But staying on the ground, we've got a very interesting event coming up later this year, which you're helping to organize, uh, Amada, which is a conference. Could you tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit more about this conference, which I understand is actually going to bring people in from quite a wide uh, area? Yeah, so this continues our topic about how I think Latvia could benefit from its international collaborations. So starting in 2013, when a uh, year after I, I moved to Latvia, I, I started communication with the Europlanet organization. This is a European Commission-funded consortium that uh, has a goal to network all the planetary scientists in Europe together. So every I just year, love the name. I've got to say Europlanet. Europlanet, <laughs> right. And so every year uh, they disseminate, that's a nice European Commission word, you know, their, their results, which, which means that the scientists get together and talk about all their space mission activities and what they've learned in the last year. So uh, it's grown and it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And so when I moved to Latvia, I, I learned after I fell in love with Riga, what a great city Riga would be for um, holding and supporting a conference. And so I suggested this to the Europlanet and the board. The, so the, it's called the European Planetary Science Congress. And if I say EPSC, mm-hmm. it stands, that's the acronym for European Planetary Science Congress. So there is a board that manages the conference. That's just one arm of the Europlanet Consortium. And that board is then made of members all over Europe. And everything that you decide about the conference goes through the board. So it is somewhat bureaucratic and things move slowly when you work with them. So they liked the idea and and starting way back then, 2013-14, they're mulling it over and discussing with me and what do we think about um, how it could look. Well, my eye to the future was linking it to the centenary. The reason I like this linking is because the dynas and the cultural celebration of this ancient oral literature celebrates the sun and the cosmos. There's, there's, I think, Saulus is the mm-hmm. most referenced word in the dynas. 
So it was a, being sun exactly. Yeah, it's a perfect fit for for having the culture linked up with the scientific theme of this meeting. So that was my selling point: is is that we have the culture. Um, uh, supporting uh, the planets, and that we have the centenaries uh, coming up, which gives uh, many reasons to celebrate. And so, in in uh, 2016, in March, we were awarded this this meeting, and I'm the chair of the local organizing committee for that. So it's actually been kind of three, four years in in the making. Yeah, of of discussions. Uh, in 2015 was the site check where okay. they came and looked around and saw all of the venues that Riga okay, has. It hasn't changed much since then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And then when I was awarded. Um, then uh, the hard work began, and the hard work w- was okay. First of all, this is the first time this is in Eastern Europe, and my and mis- is this a bit of a well, pardon the pun, a bit of a black hole as far as sort of Western European scientists are concerned. Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I was I felt a little like I was. Um, thrown off a cliff, <laughs> right? Because uh, mainly the funding support. So when um, these EPSC boards saw my affiliations, and this is purely a, um, a funding strategy to stay alive, they thought, oh, Amara is very well supported. We don't have mm-hmm. to worry about funding her. There's no money for the local organizing in the, in the grant agreement. There is for the scientific sessions, which is the other half of the conference. It's, it, there's 1,000 abstracts now at this conference, and they've been sorted into 100 sessions. Wow. There will be six rooms of consecutive talks running for these five days. So it's, it's a massively... Um, so it's a five-day conference yeah, yeah. with 100 sessions. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand abstracts. A thousand abstracts. So there's 650 talks and 350 posters. Right. And so this is not, you know, oh, it's a little corner tucked up there <laughs> in uh, north, northeast Europe and, you know, it's a different venue, so we'll go there. I mean, this is a major undertaking. Right, right. And so the... Uh, the science uh, will go on no matter what the local organizing uh, does, but they wanted to um, involve and engage the Baltic scientists, and that, that's my job. And so, so Baltics in Space was also formed to help uh, link up and get the communication started among all the Baltic scientists. I, I knew them, but now when you have a, a, um, a concrete project, it, it helps communi- it helps. Um, smooth the communication and you learn yeah. about people along the way. So so the uh, the main task of this local organizing is the fundraising. And that's what I've become since March 2016 as a fundraiser. Since, since um, none of the parts had funding, I had to find them. So we have parts that will um, include the scientists in the sessions themselves as well as exhibits and a booklet to talk about their skill sets. We need this. We need to advertise mm. what our Baltic scientists are doing. And well, I mean, they ex- it does sound, to yeah. be, pardon me for interrupting, yeah. but I mean, it does sound a lot more interesting and, dare I say it, prestigious than a lot of the conferences which get uh, <laughs> staged and get money sort of thrown at them here. No names, no pack drill. But, I mean, what do you receive uh, Latvian government funding as well? Is there some sort of official backing for you on that? Because, I mean, it sounds like it really des- deserves it. Yeah, no, no funding at all. So, LIA, the Latvian Investment Agency, is developing the exhibits, and I wrote their their plan that they're using for that, you know, but their organization doesn't allow, I'm not a procured entity, they could mm-hmm. not f- 
pay me for for that work, but they are developing these exhibits and doing a very nice job. And they're also but presumably that's you know, something that mm-hmm. businesses who are members of that's like the Latvian Chamber of Commerce, isn't mm-hmm. it? That they could then presumably use as promotional things for their members. Or yeah, um, I I found funding for the parts. In, in different ways. Uh, for example, I also want an educational part for the school kids. I call that the Solar mm-hmm. System for Kids exhibit. And that's going to run underneath uh, the Radisson. There's a basement level uh, part that uh, will hold about six or so exhibits for the school kids. And they can, so classrooms can come in. We expect to reach seven, eight hundred kids this way. And and uh, Zenu is is supporting that, and yeah. the, and the money is coming from the Zenu um, being a kind of hands-on science center. Uh-huh, science center, uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're all over Latvia, and so they have 10k from the Ministry of Education and Science for that part. Okay. Yeah, my my funding, um, I should say now I call I put it on my CV recently. It's a section I call funded by donations <laughs> <laughs> because I I ran two crowdfunding campaigns to to fund uh, my my uh, living expenses in. March and a little bit in May, and uh, Finnish Meteorological Institute donated some money. I have a little money coming from the European Commission Office uh, Latvia representation. It's more of an outcomes report, so they're definitely following and tracking all of this. Well, we'll definitely yeah. include links to all of these okay, uh, in, okay. in the piece as yeah, well. Yeah, so yeah. If, uh, yeah. if there happens to be a, a, a wealthy donor out there who'd like to contribute, I'm sure that would be... Um... Yeah, right. So so I've learned about sponsorships, and one of, one of the things we could have done if we had more time was include more companies. So companies need to have a year in advance notice before... Um, a big meeting like this so that they can budget themselves the money for this. So it's not that the companies aren't interested and the environment isn't interested. We just needed more time. And I started inviting the companies in February and that was a little bit too late. Mm. So so there's there's still a few that are following and they might they might have a logo in the abstract book or something, but I don't think there'll be much in sponsorships for this meeting from the companies. But it does sound as well, I mean, there's a lot of talk in Latvia as well as most other countries about the importance of attracting kids to science, mm-hmm. um, you know, making it exciting, particularly for, for girls um, who sometimes don't get the same opportunities as uh, as boys. Um, it sounds like this is a great opportunity to actually, you know, uh, well, make that a reality. Yeah, yeah. So so LMT is going to stream about uh, 30 to 35 of the talks. The opening um, speeches will be streamed by them. And then uh, subtracting the keynotes, they'll be streamed. I, I have a I have a selection of twenty five talks that um, um, will be offered to the public, which will be archived. And mm-hmm. I call this "What's Wild in the World of Planetary Science." And this is my way of of inspiring our college age or teenagers to go into space because. They need real-life examples of what uh, space workers do. Yeah. And, and we have a perfect opportunity. So that's how I view what LMT is contributing and what, what they'll be able to provide. Yeah, and great to have that direct contact as well, rather than just, you know, watching a documentary on Discovery Channel mm-hmm, or something, mm-hmm, you know, being mm-hmm. able to actually interact and uh, and and get the stuff without the soaring music in the background and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. it's, it's interesting that Latvia has no planetary scientists except for me, but yet mm. they will be the first country of all the EPSC um, 
meetings, which will offer a, a streaming and archiving capability. EPSC could not do that before, and this poor little country is going to do it. So that's that's something to be proud of. Yeah, and maybe, you know, there obviously is a vacancy there for the uh, public face of astronomy as well. I remember when I was growing up in the mm-hmm. UK, there was Patrick Moore, mm-hmm. who used to front this program called The Sky at Night. And he was the most, you know, unphotogenic, <laughs> uh, untelegenic, eccentric guy you could possibly imagine. And yet he was very engaging because right. you had the simple pleasure of listening to a guy who knows what he's talking about, talking about the planets. And you would actually go out into the garden afterwards and try and, you know, see Saturn or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think particularly when, when kids are at that sort of, you know, I guess from age sort of like seven to teenage years, I mean, the planets just seem to come naturally, doesn't it? And astronomy, it they just absorb all the facts and figures. Anyway, I'm afraid our time has run out. The diurnal clock has been ticking <laughs> and um, we're going to have to check out. So thank you very much for joining me uh, in the capsule, Armada. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you and for inviting me. Best of luck with the conference, which I fully intend to come along to. Okay. And the sessions that I can't watch, I will watch in the archive online. Okay. And I'll be back again with another uh, podcast uh, from Terra Firma in a couple of weeks. Until then, I hope you have a really nice time. Bye. Minutes from Latvia with Mike Collier. Produced by Renar Steimans for Latvian Public Media. Find out more at www.lsm.lv. <laughs>